Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrox The Interviews. My name's Martin Douglas and today I'm joined by River City star, Panto star, but a man who'll probably be most remembered for getting pumped half of you and Cameron at FIFA, Stephen Bubbly. <laughs> Stephen, how you doing, mate? No bad, mate. I just, mate, he only pumped me once. I beat him twice after that, mate. I mean, he passed it bad, mate. I know, but you were up at half time and then he came back and pumped you. I was, mate, I'm telling you to this day, I don't know what happened that night, man. I mean... 3-1 up at half-time and he comes out and beats me 7-4. I, I genuinely, he passed it bad, mate, he did, because the two games after that, it was all in him, not me. Ah, well, I watched that, but it was supposed to start at 8, but I think it started at <laughs> half-four in the morning. <laughs> mate, honestly, technology's not my strong point, and he said he knew what he was doing, he'd set up the Twitch account and all that, and I'm like, right. And we did, we done a wee kind of test run during the day, and it was fine. And then we realised it's like, kind of, this has gone live. And then we're going, right, two hours has passed. And I'm like, there's my boy just walked in. It's up the stairs, son. Two hours had passed. And then I think it was about, I we didn't start to about bloody, I don't know, off late or something, mate. It was, it was embarrassing. And then I get beat, which was even more embarrassing. I know you and Cameron and all of all people. Um... <laughs> Right, so let's go back to the very beginning then. Um, what was yep. life like for a young Stephen Pubbing growing up? Well, kind of working class family. Uh, my dad works for the council. He's a he fits gas central heating. He was a plumber. He fits gas central heating now. My mom in and out of jobs. So kind of I had a good upbringing, mate. I was an only child uh, for 19 years, believe it or not. My man, my man and dad had a wee boy, my wee brother. Uh, 19, I was 19, my wee brother Jack, uh, born in Cranhill, moved to Toll Cross, and then spent most of my childhood in Camping. So I did really working class family, good upbringing, good pals. My man and dad are quite, they've got good, good morals, you know what I mean? They, they kind of just normal people. So just a normal upbringing, mate, just always up playing football, always playing with my pals, and wasn't very good at school, but tried my best, you <laughs> know what I mean? But uh, had a good time growing up, mate. My mum and dad done everything for us and no complaints, you know what I mean? Th- tell me an actor that was good at school. God, man. Uh, let me think. <laughs> That's how we're actors, mate. God knows. <laughs> Ian Robertson, there's one. I'd say Ian Robertson probably was good at school because he's a clever bastard, him. Nah, well, I mean, I, I wasn't very good at school, but I'm a clever bastard, you know? Uh, yeah, mate. <laughs> who was who was your kind of biggest influences growing up then? Was it your your dad? Uh, I would probably say I my dad probably because he was always mate, he's just he's a work, the old cliche man, he's a working class hero, you know what I mean? He still is, he's still working mm-hmm. the new, he's still he's at seven in the morning and at eight at night, whatever man, under flare boards and all that and he just He's just a grafter, mate. He's one of the people I've always looked up to. He's just why the old cat, you don't want to let your dad down. He's mm-hmm. I don't want to always want to make him proud. I don't want to I don't want to do anything. And I remember a couple of times at school where I'd kinda get into trouble and that and get home for school. Just didn't want to tell my dad. My mom's a different kettle of fish. Me and her are my little brother and sister. We argue on mad, but 
I don't argue with my dad as soon as he that tone comes in his voice, that's it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? The game's over and it's still like that to this day. <laughs> so you're talking about school in that there, was it just a case of nah, you weren't interested in school and well, I went to school, went to, obviously went to Cantine Primary and I went to Smithycroft Secondary School in Ridley. Uh, it was a lot of, I, I loved school. I really enjoyed school. Great days, man. But obviously, like, the first few years at Smithycroft, it's always tough. Mm-hmm. East End of Glasgow, we've got a lot of boys boys and lasses for Black Hill, Rikese, Gafarmock, Cantine, Ridley. So, it was mere, not being overly dramatic, it's just mere about, Surviving and being kind of no getting started. <laughs> aye, basically, aye. <laughs> like just, just being able to honour yourself and stand up for yourself. And I've, I've got really good pals, mate. Do you know what I mean, we're all me and my four mates. We're still best pals to this day. We went to, we went to uh, primary school, secondary school together. But me and my best mate Tam, we were the last two left in school boys out of the boys in our year because we stayed on to sixth year because I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. Nah. You know what I mean? Uh, I got a small, a very small part in a film called Ratcatcher. It was directed by Lynn Ramsey. And I got that while I was at school. And then when I went and done that, I kind of thought, right, I might give this a bash, but going to school in the East End of Glasgow in the 90s, you're going, what, you want to be an actor? Do you know what I mean? I kept that to myself. <laughs> I mean, I didn't ah, know that. But school was great, man. It was, it was a great school. I learned a lot. A lot of life lessons, mate, you know what I mean? So how did the, the rat catcher thing come about then? Because if I can take from what you're saying, it's not like you were in school and you were in drama and, and, and you loved no. it on you and you had plans on being a big actor. So how, how did that no. come about? Well, at my school, they didn't even have drama. I think they've got drama at Smithycroft now, but they didn't have it there, do you know what I mean? So it was Lynn Ramsey, she's a director, kind of similar to like Ken Loach, where a lot of actors, well, no, she's a lot more big time now, but in the days she was kind of wanting to use real people in her films. So they were going around all the schools in Scotland and we all just got like a wee screen test in school. It was in like the canteen in school and I remember going for it. And then she came back to me and says, I'd really want you to be, I was initially meant to be playing the part of James, which was, which was the main part. So I had the main part up until the 11th hour and get mm. the phone call saying they'd changed their mind, but they would still like me to be involved in it. So because of that kind of last-minute change of heart, they kept me on for the full production. So I only had, like, one tiny scene in the film, but I was there every day as a stand-in for the boy, William Meade, who got the main part. So I was, while I was there, I was seeing all how this was working, like, how a camera needs to, like, crossing the line, two cameras, you can't cross the line, getting ready for a scene, hitting your mark, seeing how the whole setup does. So a lot of the experience I got on that set was invaluable, do you know what I mean? And it was it was a great opportunity. And ever since I got that, I kind of just thought, I quite like this. So there was a guy called Stephen King, no the writer, <laughs> Stephen King, who ran a theatre group called Toonspeak, who I met on the set. And I heard he ran this theatre group and... My friend Ian Robertson, he went to the theatre group as well. So I joined that. So kind of just snowballed for them, mate. And I just kind of stuck in it a wee bit. So was it just, the, did you go to drama college or anything then? Or was it just a... I, I went theater? to Langside College. <laughs> I, I went, because after, <clears throat> after I'd done a few years at the theatre group and done Ratcatcher, I got another part in 
Sweet 16, and it was, mate, honestly, it was the exact same setup. It was mm. between me and Martin Compton right to the last day of auditions. And I remember sitting waiting on the phone call, and they phoned me and said, We've gave the part to Martin. And, mate, I swear to God, man, I was in tears, man, I was gutted. But again, I got a part, he offered us a part in the film, so I went and done that again. And then after that, I thought, I'm not getting anywhere with this, do you know what I mean? So I was going to just go, oh, I'm going to go and get a trade or something, do you know what I mean? Do something mm-hmm. normal. But I went to college, I went to Langside College. And then during my first year at Langside College, I get the chance to audition, I get a phone call. So I was working in my uncle's shop at the time as well. He was a manager in Cruise, the clothes shop in the town. So I was working in there and going to college, and I got a phone call for a casting director who'd seen me in a play saying, do you want audition for this part? I says, what is it? And they said, shell suit, Bob. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is this is a wind-up. What? Shell suit, Bob? I'm like, no, it's going to be a new Scottish soap that's starting on BBC. So I thought, fuck it, I'll go for the audition. And I went and got down to the last two again, and I could see history repeating itself again. But I go to the part, and then the next day I went to college and says, trips, I'm off. <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> Were you mere gutted that you never that Martin Comston got the part over you because you're a Celtic fan or because you really wanted a part? <laughs> no, at that point I didn't really know. Martin was he wasn't what he is now, you know what I mean? A big mm. a right big deal, man. At that point he was just a young boy for Greenock, but very similar to myself, kinda come I know Martin well enough now, you know what I mean? I've I've spoke to Martin hundreds of times, so I kinda I know he's a working class a working class farmer like myself and I think it was just one of the things, his face just, his face fit, mad minds didn't, it was, it was close I think, because I remember Ken Loach phoning my director and saying, look, I'm really sorry, it's just, it wasn't an easy decision and at the end of the day, man, they went with Martin and he's went through the roof, he's massive and television has been really good to me, mate, so no. I can't complain either, do you know what I mean? So we've both went different ways, but I was genuinely gutted because I thought, I really thought I'd go it, but it's like, I don't know, man, it's like, you're waiting in one goal for your cooking and you've got the money spent, haven't you? <laughs> so I kind of got my heart set on it, but like I say, I've not done bad after it, mate. Ah, well, you've done better than me. Uh, <laughs> did you have any uh, kind of like part-time jobs or anything? Uh, like Aye, my first, my first job, I worked in a newsagent's from the corner from my house. I worked there when I started college then. As I say, I worked in my uncle's shop, but Again, man, I've just been so lucky, like, since leaving college, I've just been acting since I left. I've done different plays, I've been in River City constantly and doing panels as well. So that's the only two jobs I had, working in the news agents, which was brilliant, man. It was I loved it. It was just a wee corner shop in the corner of my house, uh, opening up in the morning and all that, getting all the papers and all the rolls and all that in and serving the punters. It was great, man. And then my uncle's shop was brilliant because... I was still staying my mom and dad at the time and you get a 50% discount when you worked in cruise, so it was great, man. <laughs> How come every actor I've spoke to knows somebody or either worked in cruise? I don't know what it is about that show. <laughs> uh, right, before we came on to River City, I, I spoke to uh, Jordan Young about this and Panto. <sighs> See, Panto is a completely different beast for any other kind of acting. I, it's, it's, I would say, I mean, I've done Panto now for, God, man, it must be about 15 years now. It's it's a different discipline altogether. It's, first of all, you need to enjoy it. 
because mm-hmm. you're there every single day, doing two shows a day. You've got an audience in front of you. Hunters are, hunters are wains, hunters are just punters that come to the panel every year. So you need to enjoy it, but it's a mindset I need to get into. Because obviously when I'm doing River City, it's a lot more relaxed. You just go in, if you get it wrong, you go again, mm-hmm. you're there. But when you get into panels, it's getting in that mindset the first day of rehearsals. Two and a half weeks rehearsals, then you get a seven-week run. So your life basically goes in the hold. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> Plus, having a young family, like I've got two young kids and a wife, so it's like you don't see your family. You're in, you're in the theatre to basically 12 in the afternoon to back at 10 at night. So it's hard going, but I'm sure Jordan said the same. He loves it. I love it. Uh, but it's hard, hard work. I mean, physically it's hard. Mentally it's hard. But it's so rewarding at the same time because... A lot of people, Panto's a big, big business up here now, all over the UK. So it's kind of, hunters thrive on coming to a Panto. It's like the beginning of their Christmas. It's it's a wee release for them. It's a magical time for the kids. So no matter how tired you are or how hard it is, you've been in there every day doing two shows a day. You need to, your enthusiasm and your even your levels of fitness and all that, you need to be on your game because it's so tough going. I will see. I went to the panel when I was in school, and it was Little Red Riding Hood, and the roof came out, and I shot myself, and I've never went back <laughs> since. Uh, but you might relate to this a wee bit better uh, than Jordan. I don't mean that as an insult or anything. But coming from Glasgow, right? Mm. Seeing school, if you had says, oh, "I'm going to go and do panel or whatever," right? You, you'd get the piss took at you, right? Aye. And I, and I asked him this question, and I'll ask you the exact same question. Do you need to have a serious set of boys to be able to go on stage with the clays and the dancing and the kind of over-exuberant acting? Because for me, that would be, I'd, I'd be like that. I'd be fucking shouting myself. No, I totally know what you mean, mate. It's like, I mean, I'm 30. I'm 37 at the end of this month. And I still, to this day, if my mates text me, because my mate, my big mate Bert goes to the pant every year with his family. When they text me saying I'm coming to see you, I still get that wee that wee guy for fifth year in school feeling mm. about me going, Oh man, I don't want wait till my mates see me walking out in this pink shell suit I've got to the finale <laughs> and stuff. So it's I still get that, mate. I I do get a wee bit of that. But at the same time, man, we're all big enough now, it's my job. You know what I mean? It's my Aye. job, it's what I need. But there is still that in there where I go, Oh man. If I make eye contact, if I, if I know somebody's in the audience and I'm sitting near the front, you make eye contact with them, I just know they're going, I'm going to rip the James Bond you you after this. Do you know what I mean? So, still to that, but it's all good banter, mate. I know, it's just that for, for me, and it's, it's weird, it's an embarrassment type thing, you know? Uh, I can't, I, I've said this before, I can't make a scene in a supermarket. You see somebody, <laughs> see somebody stares at me, my eyes just start watering. It's, it's Um <laughs> So right, River City then, so you've basically been in that since it kicked off? Aye, since day one, mate. Aye, that'll be 19 years this year, mate. Aye. That's, <coughs> so you would have been, what, 35 when you started? Young, <laughs> <laughs> um, fresh-faced 19-year-old when I started, mate. <laughs> the, the, the one thing I, I wanted to talk to you, and I mentioned it to you before we started, you were doing a stunt for River City and you fell into the Clyde. And Aye, but, was, was that quite serious? Well, we had done lots of we had done lots of training for it, eh, like buoyancy training or that kind of stuff out of floating the water or that. All the necessary precautions were took. 
Uh, it was terrifying, but it was it was brutal, man. It was. I remember when I went in, the actual like, I've done tough mud and all that, mate. Right, I've done that kind of stuff where you go right doing a shoot, bring into an ice bath and all that kind of stuff. And but the 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 temperature of the water and the Clyde, man, it literally took my breath away. And how bogging it is, man. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like is we went in. When we first went in, we had to go under the water and do like a camera shot, a camera test of me coming up. And at the end of the episode, I'm lying and floating in the water. It's as if I'm dead. So we've done it. I'm under the water. Can't see in. I've got two stunt guys underwater with me. So they have to tap me in the shoulder because they've got an underwater mic where they can hear where I have to come up. <clears throat> so they tap me in the shoulder. I have to float up. It's absolute pitch black. Can't see anything. Freezing my Davina McCall's off me, honestly, right in the water. They tap me in the shoulder, I float up and I have to be lying there as if I'm dead. And I'm lying there, and then they shout, Cut. I open my eyes, what's floating past me? A condom. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, mate, I'm like, Get me out of here, man. Honestly. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh. But, mate, it was. Don't get, I wouldn't do it again. See if they said, see if they said to me, right, would you be up for it? I'd be like, no, but see then I was like 20, 21. Mm. Do you want to go, my boss is like, ah, we're going to see my UFO on the Clyde. You up for it? I'm like, ah, fucking right, aye. But <laughs> I'm like, no chance, man. No chance. no chance. But it was good. So how's that, that show kind of, kind of changed your life then? Well, mate, it's basically been my life. Do you know what I mean? It's like I've kind of, I've just grew up basically on screen. I was, as I say, I was 19 when I started. 19, me and my, she's my wife now, me and my girlfriend, we've been together 20 years basically. So we were together before the show started, but we were just a wee boy, wee lassie. Now we've got a house, two wains, we're married. It's, it's been good to me, mate. It's been great. I mean, I don't really know any other way of life, if you know what I mean. It's just my job. It's what I'm used to. I'm used to all right, we years we Bob, all right, Bob, all right, Bob. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I forget my name's Stephen. Do you know what I mean? I've been in the show <laughs> that long. So, no, it's been good to me, mate. It's a, it's a great job. It's a great place to work. And obviously, under the current circumstances and now, with what's going on with the pandemic and that, I'm missing it so much. Do you know what I mean? But it's a great place, mate. I actually for, forgot to ask you when I started interviewing. I'm probably going to get hounded for it. How are you dealing with the pandemic? How's you? How's the family? Aye, we're all good, mate. It's just, it's strange days, isn't it? It's strange days, but it's, I mean, it's it's something probably our wings will be studying at uni and that when they're older, do you know what I mean? Probably never going to see the likes of this again. I hope we don't see the likes mm. of it again, but it's been hard, mate. It's kind of just, I mean, I'm not used to being in the house a lot. I'm used to working every day and it's like being in the house with my wife and kids every day. It has its challenges, doesn't it? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But... <laughs> But, try, try to record an interview as one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. No, it's it's hard no seeing my family and that, no seeing my mum and my dad and my mother-in-law. And I think my wife's struggling. She's missing her mum quite a bit as well. But at the end of the day, mate, we just need to, like they say, we need to stay indoors, man, just stay in the house until it goes away. But hopefully that's soon. I suppose that kind of brings to light there's... There's advantages and disadvantages of like being an actor, being in the public eye and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people 
who are out there flouting the rules and stuff like that, who maybe, like, because I drive buses for a living, so I'm on the same route all the time, and the same person's out jogging for five hours, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) So, like, obviously, you can't go and walk about the streets and stuff like that, because the minute that happens, boom, picture, and that's you. Aye, no, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, like, my mate, he hurt me, he just said, man, our grandfather's went to war to save mm. us, you know what I mean? We're getting told to stay in the house. How hard can it be? I mean, I know it is challenging mentally, but you see all these videos, like the people in Coke Bridge a few weeks ago and all that, that Aye. kind of stuff is just it's ridiculous, mate. But it's just selfish, mate. You're mm. always going to get people like that that are going to go against the grain, go against the grain, they're going to do what they want to do. So it's their call, but it's other people that need to suffer for it. Your mate that said that, has he got any kids? Ah, he's got a daughter, I. And he came away with that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so obviously you're young in, in that, and you started in River City. Did you expect to be in it as long as you have? Well, no. The the initial contract was a three month contract. I got so I got a three month contract. So I spoke to uh, the teachers and that at the college and said, "Look, this is a three month contract." Because when the character started, I was kind of just a character that dipped in and out. I was Deke's pal. I didn't have any family. I didn't have a, a house in the show. I didn't have family. So I just came in and out the show every couple of episodes. But then, obviously, 19 years later, I'm still there, mate. Do you know what I mean? So I've, I've been getting away with it. I've not been fun out, mate. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so that, three month, was, that three month contract was just, I will just make sure he's no shite. Aye, aye, basically, aye. aye. But it was a three, as I say, three months and then. That finished and then another three months and then it just kept going like that. So, I, I've been lucky, mate. I've lived a blessed life, man. Have you ever lived in the Shell Soup Bob name? No, it's not, mate. I don't think... <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever leave my ankle on my gravestone when I die. I will. Shell Soup Bob. <laughs> like I was saying, there's a wee guy in my work, I says, I'm interviewing Stephen Pupton for River City. And he went, Bob, Shell Soup Bob! That's <laughs> Um, right, so football daft then. Um, obviously, it started with you and, and Grado, and Aye. then you and suddenly disappeared. Um, I'll not I'll ask you why. I'll ask you why after. Uh, <laughs> and then, obviously, David Tanner came in for a wee bit and done a wee spell on it, who, by the way, I wish I, wish I had his voice, right? Uh, what a voice that is, by the way, isn't it? That's a voice we made for TV, isn't it? Um, so how did you end up on it then? How did you get the call for it? Uh, well, I was doing pan. I do pan with Grado every year at the pavilion. So I think I don't know what was going on. I don't think some David Tanner. I don't know what was happening there, but he was leaving. He was he wasn't staying on. So then they were speaking to Grado about it, and Grado said, "Grado calls me Bob." By the way, he calls me Bob all the time, right? So he was on the phone to his producer, and he's like, "Look, they were asking him who he wants to have on the show with him," and he said, "I want Bob." Like, Bob who? He's like, Bob, my mate Bob. And I walked out of the dressing room and he's like, look, do you fancy this? And he ran through where it was. And I was a wee bit, I was a bit apprehensive about it, a bit sceptical about it. I was like, two Rangers fans hosting a football daft. It's, you're kind of going to alienate a lot of your audience there. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So initially I says, I don't think it'll work, mate. Plus I didn't want to really put myself in that position in case... Yeah, it's an open goal for folk, just me and Grado, two Rangers fans. But then we thought, right, why don't we get a third wheel to it? And we know we Chris, Grado knows we Chris a lot better than me. I know Chris well too, but Grado phoned Chris and he's a Celtic man. So 
we thought we'll get a bash and that was it. Basically, I took him and just we said we'll see how it goes first couple of weeks, but it seems to be going all right, mate. We're quite happy with it and it's we're getting good guests on. But I just love football, mate. Uh-huh. I mean, I love football, uh-huh. so it was kind of when we said we'll get Chris on board, we've got a Celtic fan and two Rangers fans, so I thought let's just get a bash. I mean, you're just sitting talking about football, having a laugh. We try to just keep it like three mates just sitting talking about football, and that's the way we want to do it. You just need to be careful what you say to me, Chris, because you might take a jory off you. Uh, <laughs> I love what we be, Chris, because he's only he's the only boy who's got his showbiz man that I work with that I'm taller than, so it's great. <laughs> uh, Annie, Chris, Annie, Chris, and Jordan Young Shagger, I know. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Do you, is it is it difficult doing that? See, it's sort of see like me and the guys at this is Ibrooks, right? We've got we've got a lot more leeway because we're just normal guys with normal jobs. But see, see when you're doing it, do you always need to kind of watch what you're saying? Aye, obviously, like, I, don't, I just want, like I said, I just want to talk about football, do you know what I mean? That's what I, I say to the boys, like, we never take it too serious, mate. There's Aye. too many people out there that take things too serious. And see, no matter how much we do that, we'll still get chin for the odd we hang here and there. But, mate, see, at the end of the day, see anybody that knows me, anybody that's knows me a wee bit or a big bit but they know all I like is Rangers mm. in football that's it do you know what I mean so I know I'm not going to say anything. like we don't we don't go down the road at the dark side of stuff mate no, nah. I mean, it's, it's not worth it and that stuff shouldn't even be in football anymore anyway so no. Do you ever get, do you ever get chinned off a Rangers supporters for no mentioning this and no mentioning that and how come you're not talking about this and eh uh, no yet. I've not had that yet, but I'm sure no, I'll no. get it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you finding, obviously, doing the acting and stuff, how are you finding like getting guests on and doing interviews and stuff like that? And like you were saying to me before we came on, you had Barry Ferguson in that one. Aye. That must be aye. quite intimidating, interviewing like a legend like Barry and stuff like that. <clears throat> it was, man, I because I remember, I remember the first time I met Barry, like it was... It was Derek Lyle's testimonial, and I got asked to play in it uh, by Bob Malcolm, and Bob phoned us, because Bob's a friend of my brother, my brother-in-law, he's good pals, my brother-in-law. So Bob phoned us, and he's like, aye, you fancy it? I says, aye, no bother, I'll come play. He's like, right, <clears throat> meet us in the, it was like near the, some hotel near Strathclyde Park, park motor there, more than the minibus. I was like, right, so I turns up, need there was, there was meant to be other, celebrities, I'll use the term loosely, right, like myself, right, some other Z-listers, right, turning up, but Nadell's turning up, but me. <laughs> right, so there I'm there with my, with my bag, with my dodgy boots and all that, and pure Shanner, Shanner shin pads, right, I'm standing there like that with a bag, walks there, Bob Malcolm comes there, Lee McCulloch, Barry Ferguson, so I'm looking for other folk that were meant to be there, like myself, Nadell's is there, I'm like, fuck, man. So we're driving all the way down to Queen of South Grun, man. Just me and a motor for a, the ex-Rangers legends, man. I'm like, this is mental. But I felt, it was like, I could see a lot of them are going, who the fuck is this wee guy? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's the first time I met Barry, and on the way down, he was great. And I've spoke to him a few times since then. I've met him at different things. Obviously, I played the Legends game at Ibrox as well, so... I've always kind of gone all right with him, you know what I mean? So it's still that way, though, as much as you go on all right with him. 
you're still wary when you're talking to him. You don't want to make an offset. Do you know what I mean? So, because he's such a he's, he's a he's a legend in my eyes. I know you. That's the thing I find because um, obviously I've only been doing this three months, and mm-hmm. it's alright when you're sitting with the guys doing the pod and it's just Jews. But then when, when you, if you've got like a guest on or you're interviewing somebody, it can Aye. all be going well, and then you say that one thing, and as soon as you say that one thing, that's it. <laughs> but well, well uh, we're going to that charity game then because um, I'd never seen it, and then I, I finally watched it on YouTube. So you get the call, you're going to go and play a game at Ibrox. What's that like? Aye. Mate, honestly, it was it was one of the best days of my life. It was brilliant, and it was great as well because I was with Jordan, Gradle was there, and my mate Gav as well. So, oh, mate, the build up to it was it was unbelievable. So we get we get asked if we would appear in it, and obviously we're like, aye, <laughs> you know what I mean, aye. Uh, <clears throat> Jordan had been asked, and then so I think he got me and whatever I can't remember. But then I remember the morning of it, getting up. Got the brown brogues looked to it and all that, good gear on. And then Jordan picked me up, or Gav picked me up, and then we picked Gav, whatever. But then just driving up to Ibrox was like, it was, see the crowd there, and we're getting in the main doors, the main entrance and all that. And as soon as we went in, we had to sign a wee sheet, we goes in, I just feel this horn on my shoulder. Right tight grip on my shoulder. How you? Turned round, it was Sir Walter, man. Oh. Like, why? So like, I can't get near my telly on a Tuesday night for 89 because of you, yeah, we can't. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was just brilliant, man. And it was, we walked into the dressing room because me and Jordan were in the away team, Grade and Gav were in the home team, so we went into the away dressing room. And we walked in, and Michael Moses in, I don't know if Jordan told this story, Michael Moses sitting there. And then Jordan's getting organised and that and sort of stuff out, and he, he pulls out boots and Jordan had bought new boots for the game. Right? Actual brand, just out the wrapper, new boots. So Michael Moses like, oh, you must be a player. Do you know what I mean? You must be a player. New boots, and you've got the number 10 jersey. Jordan got number 10 and Jordan's like, no, 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 no. So then we goes up, stairs, had some eating all that, and then that's when everybody's there. But mate, I can't, I could talk about it all day. The stories, mm. it was <clears throat> Archie Knox, McCoyst, McCoyst was our manager with Archie Knox, and it was like, McCoyst obviously was half an hour late as usual, mm. he's late for everything, you know what I mean, so he comes in, <coughs> he comes off the bench, he comes on the second half, scores a hat-trick, it's like, I had the worst game of my life, I was just too nervous, I couldn't, I couldn't pass wind, mate, honestly, I got everything <laughs> I touched was going the wrong way, do you know what I mean, but it was just to be there playing that tough, and my boy was there, my wee boy, my wee lassie, my wife, and it was just, it was a great day, mate, amazing day. See, the, obviously it was a charity game and stuff like that, right, so it's never really taken that serious, but how yeah. did you find the professionals in it? Were they taking oh, that? Mate, Fergie was spewing, <laughs> honestly. Fergie, because our team won, I think our team won 7-3 or something. Mate, the, the competitiveness, the professional, mate, it was still there, it was there, man, it was... Like Barry Ferguson, because Derek Ferguson was playing as well. And we came in at half time. I can't remember the score at half time, but we were winning anyway. And we came in at half time. And Derek Ferguson was like, <coughs> he was he was pissing himself laughing, going, Happy Dick's been training for about three months for this or not. He'll be raging. He's raging. <laughs> and, but, mate, the one person who ran the show that day, who still looked like he could play the day, was Mendes. Pedro Mendes was. 
Him and Kevin Thompson were just phenomenal, right? Phenomenal. It kind of shows you, but then because obviously they they're well past their peak. Aye. With Kevin Thompson and that, he's had his injury problems and that. Aye. But it, ju- it just shows you the level that, that they Aye. must have been at when they were in their prime. I'm sure Tomo played left back that day. And obviously he's a centre mid, do you know what I mean? But he played left back that day. And mate, his touch, his vision, his awareness. He just, they're all at that. But mate, see, I shouldn't mean Jordan them saying, as soon as you go on and a couple of passes get made and you're involved in it, you're like, I'm out of my depth, big thing here. Do you know what I mean? Aye. It's like, but I'm just going to embrace every millisecond there. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was brilliant. And the banter as well, the banter was unbelievable. I get, I get subbed in the second half. I came off <clears throat> and I was sitting on the bench. And Archie Knox, Amoruso and Michael Moles were on the bench with me. And Archie Knox went, what are you doing sitting down? And I was like, what? He's like, no, go keep warming up. You're going back on. I was like, right, no bother, man. I'm going back on. So I'm running up and down with the touchline. Comes back, sits to Archie. No, fucking up and run. You need to stay warm. Moses like, you kind of let the muscles seize. So I'm running up and doing again, passing the home bench where Bob Malcolm sitting with Walter Smith. And I think, I think Alberts was there. And I'm running by. Bob's like to me, What are you doing? And I was like, Well, Archie's gone like that to me. You need to keep. Well, I'm not carrying your muscles. He's just going to send me back on. They just all creased themselves, mate. They're pissing <laughs> themselves back. And he's back. Archie's like, you're a stupid cunt. Sit down. <laughs> so it's like all that kind of stuff, mate. It was, but you'll date anything they say, do you know what I mean? Because it's Archie Knox, it's Michael Moles, it's Walter Smith. Just legends, mate. Aye. Aye. And see, see for an experience like that, man, as a, as a fan, you would pay you would pay thousands to you know. Aye, definitely, mate. Like, just... The whole experience, like like I say, having your lunch before it, getting done, getting changed, getting out in the pitch, warming up. Alec Ray, he was in our team, man. He was ultra serious, man. He's like, to me in a warm up, just relax, relax. Calm down. I'm like, mate, I'm calm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Shaking like a shaking dog, but I'm trying to tell him I'm calm, you know what I mean? But <clears throat> it was brilliant, mate. Great day, man. Great day. I'm not jealous at all. Um, Aye. <laughs> so, so where did the Rangers obsession start then? How did you end up a, a Oh, mate, I just, as far, as far back as I can remember, mate, for a wee guy constantly checking Teletext to see what the score is, not actually, you know what I mean? To listening to Super Scoreboard every week of Rangers on the Ibrooks, like, mate, I, I don't know, man, my dad is Rangers daft, do you know what I mean? So... Extend for there, his family are Rangers daft. I just, every single thing, growing up as a wee boy, I was just, it was all about Rangers. It was all about who we signing. Going, like, even the summer holidays where you can't relax on your summer holiday because you're trying you're try to go around every show in Spain, trying to find a daily record to see if we've signed any. Do you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. Like, I've just obsessed, mate, and I'm still the same to this day. Like, Obviously, I've got a family myself now, and you're working. Sometimes you can't make as many games, but my wife will tell you, ah, she'll ask, she'll say we're doing this, doing that, but the first thing I'll look up is the fixtures and mm-hmm. see if we've got a game at home that day or we're away. So it's just, it's, it's just been in me, mate, since I've been born, basically. I know. I think my relationship was teetering on the edge until this coronavirus. I think the coronavirus saved my relationship. <laughs> Because it was just, it's just always working Rangers. And she's, my missus says to me, she said, um, you love Rangers more than me, don't you? And I went, no. <laughs> You're like, no. But, but mate, they, I'm just, 
obsessed with him, man. My wife, we, or man, we've had many arguments about it because the whole everything revolves around the games. Nah, it does. It does. It's, it's, well, you're noticing it now. It's, it's like your life in it, right? Basically. Aye, definitely, mate. Definitely. Did you have a season ticket growing up or anything like that? Or? Aye, uh, my dad. My da, me and my dad had one then. I go, I've always, oh God, man, I can't remember last time I've not had a season ticket, mate. Like, I've always been at most games, but me, I used to, I used to sit in the govern. Then me and my mate sat in bar 72 for a while. Pure prawn sandwich brigade, man. <laughs> and then obviously we went back to the govern because my other two mates, so there's four of us sit together. <coughs> so, my other two mates come down to the govern, so we, we sat in the govern, but then with the whole Dave King thing, hodding off and season books and all that, because there was a lot of longing stuff at the club, we held off and we lost our seats there. But we've been in the main stand for the past four or five years now, I think. So just always had a season book, mate, always been to the games. Used to go to quite a lot of away games, but I don't get to go as much to away games as I used to, because obviously. I'd end up divorced, I think, every single weekend <laughs> I'm going against. But I have always had a season book, mate. I see that. The way that my shifts work, I end up mostly at away games. It's, it's aye, weird. Aye, but aye. Uh, I hate standing. I hate it. Aye. See that standing for 80 minutes? My legs <laughs> robbing, man. Um, but I suppose, that obviously, you'll have been, obviously, like you were saying, Prawn Sandwich Brigade. I would imagine you've probably been in a few boxes and stuff like that. How do you feel the atmosphere compares to actually sitting and amongst most of the crowd? Ah, it's different, mate. It's like, I've been to, through my work, you're lucky enough to, we're lucky enough to get invited to various, like, director, but the Hibs game last, with Hadji's debut, I don't think the Hibs game, where they scored, I think we went a goal down, but one, two, one. Uh, we were in the director's box for that, so, they, obviously, you need to watch what, you can't be jumping about swearing and shouting that in the director's box, especially like that night in the director's box behind me, Walter Smith and Ethel, his wife are right behind me, you know what I mean? So if anybody's going to be doing the swearing, it's going to be Walter, no me, in the director's box, you know what I mean? But it's a totally different, it's a different atmosphere. The Maribor game last season was another one I was in the director's box. And what a night that was, like... It was brilliant, but yeah, you're always gone. I wish I was sitting with my mates. I mean, so I'll still take my seat with, with my pals any day of the week. But see, to have the experience, I've got the director's box and day stuff like that. You're not going to knock it back if you get invited no. to it. So, because it's a great, especially the Hibs game, the last one. And I'm starting to talk to Walter Smith for half an hour. You can't put a price on that, mate. Do you no. know what I mean? What's, uh, what's it like watching a game with Walter? What's he like during the games? Well, he was sitting right, he was sitting to, he was in the same seat. He's always in the director's box. As soon as you come in, he sits. At the back, so he was there. John Gregg was there. Uh, I think Ronald the Bull was there that night as well. Uh, and Richard Goff, I think. So it was a good few. But I did find myself without trying to try to creep Walter Smith out. I kept finding myself watching him quite a lot instead of the game. Do you know what I mean? Just just to see what his reactions were like. But to be honest, he was quite calm. He was just he didn't really. He was quite calm. But then at half time, having a wee chat with him just picking his brains and seeing what he thinks about things, but he doesn't give too much away, do you know what I mean? Mm. He'll just be quite diplomatic, but obviously he's not going to give too much away to a wee fanny like me, is he? Do you know what I mean? So. <laughs> no comment. Um, 
No, just going back to what you said earlier, by the way, see the kids of the day, they'll never know the feeling of looking up Teletext while they're C-Fax. No. I, I used, to, I used oh, to love that, by the way, because I never had a season ticket or anything like that. So aye. it was either the radio, if the game wasn't on the radio, you had the C-Fax up waiting. Check, the aye. I remember one night we were playing Celtic. We were playing Celtic in the cup or something, I can't remember. We get beat. It wasn't on the radio, and we didn't have Sky in my house when I was a wee guy. So, my buddy, I'm checking the teletext, and I remember we were getting beat one or something, something like that, right? And I've checked the teletext, and it's come up saying Celtic one, Rangers now. And I've kind of went to like shout at the telly, but the remote control f- slipped out my horn and went flying across the room and smacked my dad right in the face. <laughs> and I get sent to my bed and he's like, you need to get a grip of that. You need to get a grip of your temper with Rangers. You need to remember they're going to get beat sometimes. All that kind of stuff. It's a wee guy, Rangers never get beat. Like, we were small when we were younger. Like, we won everything, but... So, stuff like that, mate. But checking teletext, listening. Like, sometimes a midweek game, it wouldn't be on the radio. Do you know what I mean? So, you Aye. don't you don't like put a call with teletext. Because it was no iPhones and all that then, mate. Do you know what I mean? Well, sometimes I never found out until the next day at school. Aye, aye, sometimes you wouldn't know that's true, mate, aye. It's, it's, it's mental. Um, I thought we'd have a wee quick chat about 2012. Um, mm-hmm. It was obviously probably the, the, what, what was the darkest time in our history. Aye. What's, what's your memories of when we first, when the shit first hit the fan? Nearly the same as what I just told you about my dad. I remember <laughs> popping up Sky Sports News and I fucking launched the control pad across <laughs> the couch. No, mate, it's... It's... Obviously, the big announcement yesterday and stuff, it's a wee bit, it shows you how far we've come, because we were, we were on our knees, mate, we were, it was, it was the worst, it was the actual worst. Just always remember, thinking in my head, this will never happen, it'll not happen, Aye. but it did, and see, to be honest, mate, it's like, my wee brother, he's, what day, my wee brother's at 17 now or something, so it's like, he only knows Rangers really for what we've went through. Do you know what I mean? Nah. So he isn't. He? So to see us back where we are now and get we're getting there, but thinking back to the days, like I don't know, mate. It was, I remember the first. I think the first game after we went down was on BBC Alba. Mm-hmm. It was a cup game, and me and my mates are sitting watching it, and you can't understand the commentary or nothing. Do you know what I mean? So we were, mate. We've been. It's. It was the worst feeling ever. It was. It was horrible. It was. Just no nice, and no. but there was so the crowd, the fans were still there. Every I mean, I was there, still going to the games, renewing my ticket, going to games, fucking getting beat in the petrol fat cup and all that. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. It's, <clears throat> but I think as a support, it will make it. It's maybe made us stronger, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like you just you know the fans are always going to be there, but. The dark times, we'll never forget them, do you know what I mean? Well, no, you just need to look at, um, obviously, we are the, the stuff that's going on now. There's a lot of people that don't know, don't, they've been laid off, maybe they're on this furlough scheme, not got a lot of money coming in, we're still renewing season tickets, and then aye. we've got this MyJers thing that came out yesterday, or the, the day before. The membership thing, aye. Um, uh, and people are signing up for it, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I, I think aye. as a support, it's, it's mental, because you take any other team, and I possibly include you know who in this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no many other teams are going to survive that. No, 
I mean, I remember you're sitting there and you're playing Stranraer or something at Ibrooks and there's like nearly 50,000 there, mate. It's it's insane, but it's, mate, it's Rangers, man. We're a massive, massive club, do you know what I mean? We're a massive draw. No matter what division we're playing in, we're still Rangers, so it's what the fans are always going to they're always going to put their hand in their pocket for the club all the time. Nah, well, I was flipping there with the Celtic joke, but you know, <laughs> we, were, we, were just, we were just talking about the director's boxes and that, and I, I think it was Morton we were playing, I think it was in, they were either in League One or the Championship, I can't remember, and it's the first time I've shelled out for a director's box. Aye. I, mean, I, th- I think it was about 90 quid or something like that, right? Aye, aye. And Morton scored in the last minute and I finished one each. I was fucking... <laughs> 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 there was that some was, dark days, mate, there was. Oh, although the curry was lovely. Um, Aye. <laughs> so you were saying there, so you went to most of the games and that then, for we were doing in like League 2 and stuff like Aye, that. me and my mates. Been a, went to a few, mate, and lose money, but I went to Dumbarton. I think we won, I'm sure we won. But no, no money away games, mate. Obviously, we were always, me and my four mates, we've just got, we've got a routine every week, I mean, one is drive, the other ones don't, so it's kind of all go together, but we still went, mate, and obviously, it wasn't easy, mate, it was, mm. I mean, it was soul-destroying, you know what I mean? I mean, we were signing some of these players that were coming in, they should never have wore a Rangers jersey in their career in their life, you know what I mean? But, needs must, and we did, man, so, but, it was hard, mate, it was hard. What's your, um, kind of, and this is kind of an unfair question, but, what's your kind of lasting thoughts of Ali, then? Not the player, the manager. See, it's mate, hard I for just, us. It's hard for us because we grew up with Oyster Legend, you know. I just think I don't think you'll see him managing another club again. No, no, no. And I don't think say he was assistant at Buddy. I don't know, Kilmarnock or something. He wouldn't have stayed on mm-hmm. if Kilmarnock were in that position. He stayed on for the love of the club, but. To be brutally honest, man, he, he wasn't the greatest manager. No. Do you know what I mean? But in my eyes, he's always going to be a hero. Do you know what I mean? And he is. He's Rangers. He's he's probably one of my favourite Rangers growing up. And he always will be. But <clears throat> he made mistakes. He was, he was in a very difficult position. Do you know what I mean? It was a very tough time. But it just, it was, it was a hard one for him. I think as a coach, you would think he would have been a brilliant coach because he's good at the motivating and Aye. he was a phenomenal striker. But management's a different kettle of fish. I think the whole the whole setup he had with him and Walter that was brilliant. It Aye. was great. Do you know what I mean? Walter's a manager. McCoy's is there. You can see how that would work. But as you say, taking that wee step up to being manager, where you've got the final say with the tactics, with the formations, with everything, just it didn't work out, mate. It didn't work out, but. I would never, never say a bad word about Ali. Never. No, no. I, I don't think you, you can, to be fair. But, well, you, some people do. But, uh, right, so, m- moving on to uh, nowadays then, could you believe when it was announced that Stevie G was going to be the next manager? No, mate, no, that was... It's bizarre, man. It's, it's, I still, mate, I still find it bizarre to this day. Like, <laughs> I still see we, all, we clips him scoring goals for Liverpool, left, right and centre, and going, that's your manager, because obviously I love Rangers, but I absolutely love football, so I watch I watch football all the time, and 
Gerard, obviously me growing up watching football, Gerard's like one of the best players I've ever seen, and now he's a manager of us, and he's such a worldwide iconic figure and household name, so it's bonkers, mate. How do you feel he's doing? I mean, if we take it for the fact that you need to look at how we're performing in Europe, we're performing phenomenally in Europe and in the Aye. league up until a certain time of year. Aye, no, it's, mate, I think, like, you put, you put, you put us and say, like, together, man, right? It's like, they've, they've got a well-oiled machine there. They know how to win games. They know how to win titles. Then you bring a manager in who has never managed a club before. He's only under 21s at Liverpool. Hushy Celtic, to a certain extent, first season, obviously we all know what happened. We can back that game at Rugby Park, but gets us for the very first qualifier in the Europa League right through and then beyond this year as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's gave us our identity back. He's gave us our pride back. We're competing. It's just that final piece of the jigsaw, just sustaining the challenge, just keeping it going. But anybody... I mean, I read so many people, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but when it all kind of started to unravel after Dubai again, you see people calling for his seat and all that. That's just, for me, and it's only my opinion, that is it's incredibly daft. I can't understand it because the guy has took his, for me, he, he speaks well. It, it, it represents the club well. It gets what it's all about. When we won at Parkhead, you can see how much it meant to him because he knows how much it means to the fans to win down there after so long. So, for me, he's the right man going forward for us because I just think he's a winner and he, he, he gets it and he's embraced what Rangers are all about. Well, that's just what I was going to ask you. So, you think he's a man to take us to 55 then, right? I think so. As I say, it's only my opinion. People might disagree, but if we just... Another cup. I mean, obviously with the current pandemic, we don't know what's happening with players like Haji, stuff like that. You don't know the players' contracts. But if they can just get the final piece there, we're not that far behind them. Man. Right, now, I've got to ask you about Tav and Maria Loss, but we'll start on Tav. We've not really discussed Tav on the pod that much, but he kind of splits opinion within the fans. Um, where, where do you stand on... I don't know if making him captain was the right choice, but where do, where do you stand on Tav? He's, he's not a captain for me. No. No. But then, does that go against what I've said about Gerard? Because Gerard made him <laughs> captain, so do you know what I mean? But for me, <clears throat> well, I think he was the cap- captain anyway, then Gerard came in and kept him there. So I, Captains cannot make so many big mistakes and big games for me. No, I'm no anti I'm no anti Tav. I'm no I think if you look at the guy's numbers, you look at him as a player, he's a very, very good fullback. His numbers will just absolutely blow any other fullback's numbers out the water. But he's a killer seal is always I think he forgets first and foremost he needs to defend at times he's a defender. But I wouldn't have him out the squad. I just think maybe the weight of expectation on his shoulders is being the captain and the leader of this team. It doesn't sit right with him for me. But there's, there's a lot of people that will say that 
And I don't want to criticise Gerard because I'm still in the Gerard camp. But there's a lot of people that will say that he's got his favourites, and no matter what they do, they will stay in that team. Because you've just got to look at Kat, like Katic, for example, has a, has maybe one bad game, maybe two bad games, and he's gone for for ages. Now that might be Aye. his age, but there is a lot of people that will say Tav and Goldson can make as many mistakes as they want, and they never get replaced. Aye, well, totally, man. But it's like I think in all walks of life, in every kind of working environment, managers, bosses, companies, they've always got people to trust, haven't they? So, I mean, Goldson, for me, right, in my opinion, is your best centre-half. Right, see, I think a lot of stuff Goldson does goes unnoticed as well. See, a guy that can ping a ball 50 yards on the money at times, right? I think a lot of that gets unnoticed. Aye, he's made mistakes as well, but at the moment, if you take Goldson at that team and you put Katic and maybe Edmondson obviously Hollanders are injured some people saying try Katic and Edmondson for me the boys came through Oldham right Edmondson Katic is still a very young boy and all you can't have they two just in my opinion you need somebody with Goldson who's got a wee bit of experience he's played down in England he's got a wee bit there but again he has made a lot of big mistakes but he has he has it's, got a, his favorites, it's a hard one, isn't it? It's a hard one. Right. He's got his favourites, but I think with Goldson, you can't, I don't think you can, you can drop him at times, man, because it's like, like I say, who do you bring in? Maybe if Hollander's there, you can mm-hmm. maybe try Hollander on Cattage or something, but you can't go with the two youngins. Tav, obviously, would they, if Gerard drops him, then again, it's the captain armband thing again, isn't it? So oh, right. you're drafting your captain. That's a big thing. I would bring in Polster just so that his missus can make more vlogs. Um, <laughs> right. No comment. <laughs> Scottish TV star after. Uh, <laughs> um, right, so Morelos, now, anybody who listens to the pod will think that I've got something seriously against Morelos, right? And I don't, I don't. Um, but he's, and you can see what Morelos is doing now as well in his home country or the, the, the phenomenal stuff he's doing and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and other people are sitting on Super Scoreboard demanding titles. Um, Aye. Where do you stand on Morelos? Should we keep him? Should we sell him? Is, is his mentality good enough? Because he, he's obviously good enough at the goal scoring, but... Aye. He's a conundrum, isn't he? Again, like the team as a whole, absolutely on fire. Then we come back to Dubai. And I don't think he kicked kicked his ass as soon as we come back. He does, I don't know. And you had a lot of the off-field thing as well, his misses and all that. You can see it affected him. But, again, the media in this country, oh. instead of praising the wee guy for what he's been doing, coming, went to Colombia, to Finland, to Scotland, instead of praising a natural raw talent we've got on our horns in Scotland in, in the Scottish game just constantly looking to put him down to nitpick his personal life constantly doing that but then the flip side of that is the wee guy gives him so much ammo as well because he's high profile sending half so he gets involved in things he shouldn't he? but he's a young boy man do you know what I mean so it's I would if the money's right we're going to if we get a good it's a no-brainer business-wise, for a business sense, do you know what I mean, to cash in on him, because what did we pay for him? A million? 
a million, I think it was. Right, so, but I feel the way he's been treated in this country is it's been it's been very poor. Do you know what I mean? It's been very poor. But like I say, there's there's two. He was absolutely on fire this season up until a certain point, like the team was. Do you know what I mean? But he's a great great forward, and any centre half that plays against him must come off and be absolutely shattered after the game because he doesn't give him a minute. No, he doesn't. Right, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of the time and I, I, I don't want to take too much longer, but... Oh, that's all right, mate. Because um, I'll keep my missus up the stair all day. <laughs> <laughs> but I should note that we're recording this on the 3rd or the 5th because I'm going to ask you about the SPFL, just in case anything comes out and this interview doesn't go out for a week or Aye. whatever. Um, the SPFL, what have you made of that? Where do you start, man? It's a soap opera in itself, isn't it? I mean, it's... you can start in it. I know, man. I know. Uh, no, I mean, it's just incompetent people that in jobs that shouldn't have been jobs, man, making decisions that making it up as they go along, basically, mate. It's like, I don't know. I'm sure it's going to be an interesting couple of days ahead. Do you know what I mean? But it's farcical, mate. And I heard they're talking about finishing the cup now as well, the Scottish mm. Cup. So I, I don't know, mate. It's, it's farcical. It's. It just makes it, it just makes us look very when you look down in England, Germany, Italy, wherever, man, like they must look at our game and go, What's going on there? But who's in charge? Who's making these decisions? So know, it's a mess, mate. Even taking all the legality stuff out of it, it does mm-hmm. it makes us it makes us look tin pot. It Aye, it does, it does. It really does. It does. But as I say, I'm I'm pretty pretty sure it's gonna be an eventful few days ahead, man. Well, let's hope anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, yesterday it was announced that that's that's has officially cut ties with Mike Ashley. Um, yeah. And I was having a I was having a conversation with somebody, and I was saying, it, you mentioned it earlier how far the clubs came. I can now go to the Rangers mega store, take my daughter to the Rangers mega store at Ibrox, buy her stuff, buy her kits. Exactly, mate. Exactly, and I've been taking my son to the odd game last season. Uh, this season still gone on it, this season. But uh, I've been taking them to a few games, trying to take them and introduce them to the old Rangers family and that. So he's been to a good few games now and that's one thing I cannot wait for, just taking them and being able to go into the Superstore with my wee boy and just walk about in the shop and just stuff like that. Just, I mean, we need to be, Rangers as a club needs to be self-sufficient. We need to mm-hmm. do stuff like that. We need that is a big, big part of our, our revenue is the commercial side of it. And to finally get rid of Ashley is, it's just like, it's going to be a breath of fresh air and it's such, the, the board deserve enormous praise for this. What do you make of the job that Dave King done? Obviously, he stepped down now, he's away for the club, but what do you make of the overall job he done? Phenomenal, mate. And I think this is still fruits of his work, do you know what I mean? That I don't think, I don't think a lot of people realise how much what King done for us behind the scenes and how a lot of people, I know he's got his critics and he's got his people that, but I think he effectively saved us, mate. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dave King saved us and in years to come, I'm sure people will sit back and realise what he's done for us. And like I say, the current board at Douglas Park and that there, they know they've come in and they've kept it going, but the result of what happened yesterday isn't just them. That's for so much hard work for King as well. Aye, absolutely, absolutely. 
Final question, then, and I don't know if you remember, but I say to you during the week to pick your Rangers 11 that you've seen. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, because um, I gave Jordan Young about three seconds notice, so I thought I'd give you a bit more. Um, so, for, for, the t- for all the years you've been going to Ibrox and that you've watched on the telly, right. one so, my 1-11 one would be, I'll have Walter Smith, the manager, right? He's a gaffer, right? So Not Alan McCoy's? No. <laughs> no, I would go. I mean, I thought it's a, the goalie's a tough one. Like, I'm going with the goalie, I'm going with Gorham, right? But McGregor pushes him far, man. McGregor's no far behind him. We've always been blessed with so many good goalies, like even nah, Buddy, Bonnie, Stefan Kloss, Buddy, Chris Woods, Andy Gorham, McGregor, Andy Dibble for nine in a row, stuff like that. With his big green suit. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Gorham in goals and then in front of Gorham my two centre-halves will be Richard Goff who will also be my captain and Amoruso my mm. two centre-halves in front of Gorham uh, right back I've done this a couple of times it's always a tricky one right back try to be true to myself and players I've seen I'm going to go with Aaron Hutton just for the simple fact, he was the first fullback I seen in my time going to the games where I go, we've got one of these, well, along with my left back, who I'll mention in a minute. He's like a modern day fullback. Do you know what I mean? Like for that that season before he went to Spurs, I think Hutton was phenomenal. He was brilliant. He was just I don't think he quite made the heights he should have when he was doing south, because when he went to Spurs, it was a big money move for him. They spent a good few bob on him and I would go as far. He's a he was a great right back just before he left us. So did you ever see? Did you ever see Gary Stevens? Again, I'm gonna. I could have said Gary Stevens, but I'm not being true to myself. <laughs> I can't really remember, so I'm not gonna cheat. Know what I mean? I'm gonna be true to myself. Gary Stevens, obviously, I did see him, but I can't pin remember pin him. out games and stuff. I can remember him, but no, no that much. But I'll go with Hutton. Right, he's my right back, left back Arthur Newman. What? Arthur Newman. No, that's no, no. David Arthur Robertson. Newman. I know, I but Arthur Newman. I know, Arthur Newman. Your, I know it's your team, right? But no, I'm not accepting that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with Robertson. I was going to go with him. Him and Loudrop connection was phenomenal, David Robertson. But, mate, Arthur Newman, world class. World class. Stephen, thanks very much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Newman. I'm going with Arthur Newman. I just thought the guy just oozes class. He was phenomenal Dutch internationalist. He just he could have played with Sagal in his mouth, man. He was that cool. Do you know what I mean? He was just defend defensively as well. We played Celtic there, always had a gap running up. You give me that. <laughs> <laughs> you did a Barry Ferguson and McGregor <laughs> Even when they had like Watching all games that are on BBC, they know or then reruns like Sarah, he just he knew how to defend as well and gone forward. Phenomenal. So no David Robertson, Arthur Newman. All right. That's my back four. Well, my back five, including Gorham. Now on the right, my midfield, I'm going I'm going four four two, by the way. It might four, shock four, some folk, you know what I mean? <laughs> old school. I'm going Loudrop on the right. He's there on the right. God, basically, he is just like a genuinely world class player that 
I think, I think it was you I was talking to you on Twitter. I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but players like Loudrop will no see players of that caliber no. Scottish football. Can, no. No chance. He was genuinely world class. He's just a phenomenal player. So he's there. Two centre mids are going to be Barry and Gaza. It's my two centre mids. Barry Ferguson, for me, growing up as well, he's up there with one of my Rangers greats, man. He's like the boy who lived the dream. Even his second stint when he came back, a lot of people give him flack for that. But I still think a guy, a young boy, with Dick Advocate coming in as manager, spending millions and millions on these world-class players, internationalists, to give somebody like Fergie the armband. He's screaming at players like Van Bronckhorst and Alberts and two guys telling them what to do. It just speaks volumes. The boy, he lived the dream and he's, he's one, of the, one of the greatest talents the country's produced, man, Barry well, Ferguson. I, th- I think what gets missed out a lot as well because of all the, the stuff that happened with Scotland and Paul Le Guin and stuff. He was a world-class midfielder. Aye, he was world class. He was. I mean, you seen him in games when we played buddy against Luther Mateus for Bayern. You know what I mean, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was going toe to toe with him and mm. fucking damn well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Dino Baggio against Dino Baggio when he played for Palma. I remember like back, Barry Ferguson was phenomenal, man, phenomenal. But it just obviously he's part. There's a bit his Scottish Scotland career and all that. But again, the Leguain thing, people can maybe slagging for that, but. When Le Guin, when the whole Le Guin thing happened, somebody like Walter Smith, the man, the legend, like Walter Smith coming in, immediately reinstates him as captain. You're like, Aye. well, that's, that says it all for me. Do you know what I mean? And then so, gets rid of him. So then, next to him, we've got Gaza. Obviously, speaks for himself, Gaza. Again, if for me, he falls into the bracket. We'll not see the likes of him in Scottish football no. again. World class. Truly world class, him and Loudrop. Just on Gaza, just, just, just on Gaza, right? Sorry to interrupt, just on Gaza. It's really strange, right? Because he was a phenomenally world class player, but he doesn't look like a footballer. See, in his prime, he looked a wee bit oh, heavy. I know. Looked as if he could glided past folk. Aye, he was. The way he moved through the ball, if you met him in the street, you would never imagine him doing that on a pitch. Do you know what I mean? Like seeing him if you didn't know, but. He just, he was so strong as well. Like, so strong. Like, obviously, that eight in a row game, I think it's his second goal. He's holding the boy off. He's running through. He's, he was world class. And I think we got him at a good time. I think he, he was at a crossroads in his career, mm. not I mean, where he's looking lats on that and he, he had the leg break and all that. And then I think, personally for him, having somebody like Walter there as well was great Aye. for him. And Aye. I think the dressing room as a whole was great for him. There's a lot of strong characters there. When you remember things like the cup final against Hearts at Park Kid when him and McCoy's had a square goal basically on the pitch, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Where he needed people like that, I think, just Aye. to fucking bring it in, just to, do you know what I mean? So, no, it was, mate, it was a golden time. You know what I mean? Oh, they, were, they were great days. But Loudrop, Gaza, Barry Ferguson, and then on the left, I'm going to go with the hammer. I'm going oh, with Albert. Of course, Aye. Aye. Uh, Again, Albert's man, he was just. I remember I was at the game with my dad when he scored that free kick in the New Year mm. game at Ibrooks. I mean, the guy, he was one of the, <clears throat> along with like Gaza and that as well, like he's one of the players that come to this country and he just totally embraced what Rangers are all about. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could tell. Straight away, Albert, straight away. Aye. 
just put in there, like Alberts was just one of the foreigners that came where you go, he's one of our own. Do you know what I mean? But he's a fucking German. Do you know what I mean? Right. But he was just, but he's one of ours because he totally gets it, man. He knows what it's all about. And it doesn't, doesn't hurt that he scored against Celtic all the time and all oh, that. Man. I mean, so it was just, it's great, man. He was brilliant. He was class, man. Class act. Up front? Up front, I'm going to, it's not going to shock. Came my two up front, McCoyston Haley. There's a, there's a few, I seen these, I think it was you that were tweeting during the week, showing big clips of Dado Persona and all. Like, oh. forget. Again, we were spoiled. Do you know what I mean? I could, I could easily go with another couple. You could go with Perso. You could go with Van Vossen. <laughs> you could always go with Mo Johnson. I could go with Mo Johnson. Uh, but all, it's got to be McCoyston Haley. I mean, they two kind of almost telepathic with each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Goals, goals that stick. You remember goals like bloody the goal at Ellen Road mm-hmm. where the ball breaks out wide. Haley's got the ball, just one look. He knows where McCoy's going to be, right on the money, diving header. Even the Leeds fans were clapping the goal. Do you know what I mean? Some of them behind the ball. But nah, I don't think, and it's it's a, it's a dying art now. The double act up front, you know what I mean? Two up front. It's You don't see it so much now. So they two just, I don't think there was at that time a better strike force and they two together. No, and for all McCoy gets lauded for all his goals and rightly so. I think if it wasn't for Hately, he probably wouldn't have just as many goals. Exactly, I know. I exactly. I mean Hately says that, didn't he, man? He does all the he'll do all the work and just like on a plate for Alistair he always says, you know what I mean? But they just complemented each other so well and a absolute handful for any defenders. Oh absolutely. Stephen mate, that's been brilliant. <laughs> That was like chatting to a mate I've known for years. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, it was lovely, man. It was a great chat, mate. Enjoy it, man. Good luck editing it, mate. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. <laughs>